Hello, and welcome to another episode of Starside Chat. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Owens, and joining me as always is Aaron Capo. Hello. We're past Halloween. That was our last episode. Been, I guess, two weeks now? Mm Mm-hmm. But so many things have come out since then. Uh, We've been playing a bunch of stuff, so we got to talk about that. In in particular, God of War Ragnarok. That's the big one. So we're going to talk about that this week, and then we got some news... So we got to talk about that. I have finished Mario and Rabbids. Mm. I know you're not as far along. So, no, but we I can am talk significantly, a bit. yeah, not as far along. We can talk a little bit about that. Um, also, something we can talk about later. I, for the very first time uh, on Halloween, actually, I played through the Ghostbusters, uh, the video game remaster. Ooh, I own um, that on Steam, but I've never installed it. Yeah, so I actually found it in like a like one of those um like sale bins at like Target or whatever. Yeah. Like a few years ago on uh, like PS4. And so I picked it up and didn't get around to playing it and I completely forgot that it was just sitting on the shelf waiting for me to play it <laughs> until that other Ghostbusters game came out earlier this year and we were talking mm-hmm. about that. I was like, "Oh yeah, I have that other Ghostbusters game that I could play." And so I grabbed that and I, I was like it's Halloween's perfect time to play this, and so I have finally played through it. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But um, also, I have played a little bit of Plague Tale Requiem, so maybe we can talk about that and uh, the what we're playing section at the end of the show. But a dense what we're playing section because we're also both playing God of War. Yes. So th- yeah, it's going to be a little bit of like the feature for this episode, but also like the what we're playing. So. Mm-hmm. And then also there was a Nintendo Indie Showcase that maybe we can... We don't have a lot to say about that briefly one. Briefly touch on it, yeah. Yeah, we can briefly touch on that one. So, um, But let's start off with the Game Awards because Jeff Keighley has announced that the Game Awards this year are set for December 8th. Hmm. It's the first in-person event in three years. So pretty cool. Finally it, back. I uh, He's a showman. So I think we're going to see some good stuff. I uh, I'm looking forward to this. Sometimes I have found in the past couple of years I have been a little bit let down by the games he has collected for his showcase. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little hopeful about this one because there's so many big things on the horizon. Like there's uh, Starfield and obviously Silk Song and Tears of the Kingdom. I feel like at least one of those three will make an appearance, and that will that will make it worth it. I feel like for me. Yeah, I mean, since we kind of already know, uh, do we have a release date for Starfield, or did they just say it was pushed back to next year? And they no, kept I don't it? know. I don't think they have definitively said it yet. Maybe they did. It might be in May. I want to say, might be right by like May twelfth. Was supposed to be this week. Yeah, I texted you this week on November eleventh. Happy not Starfield release yeah. date. This just says uh, the first half of 2023. Okay, so that could be on the table. An official release date for Starfield in 2023. And what if they go, okay, here's your release date. Also, pre-orders for the special edition are going up online. I'm going to get it. I, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I would order it. <laughs> yeah, I got to order it. I, I'm going to get it for PC, I think. At this point... I don't know. I you know what else freaked me out is you sent me this article, or maybe we just texted about it, about how some developers are already being like, "Hey, we don't really want to build games for the Xbox Series S anymore. Is that cool?" 
as the yeah yeah the series s <laughs> which is uh alarming to me so because initially i was like maybe i should just bite the bullet and get like a 250 dollar series s for starfield but now i'm like well i don't know maybe it's like not the target maybe they're targeting series x well and i also have to think about like i imagine starfield's probably next gen exclusive but like you have games still coming out for ps4 and xbox one um even god of war ragnarok was i i read an article i forget who published it but it was about how god of war ragnarok was essentially a ps4 game that mm. is just like you know beefed up on the ps5 so I even that, that game as good as it is like could have been better potentially if they mm. had developed it from the ground up specifically for ps5 as opposed to you know targeting last gen console that yeah and just also having it run on ps5 so i don't know i wonder I, like it was curious to me to see that article about how the series s is like an albatross for like game development for the series x Mm -hmm. when most of those games are also coming out on last gen consoles i feel like the last gen consoles are the albatross but i mean it's a little of both this will be i'm definitely going to get it on pc uh i built a pretty good pc that i think is not gonna have any trouble running starfield and I mean, Bethesda games, generally, I play with mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, for me, it's a first-person game, so I will 100% yeah. want to play it on PC regardless. Sure. But um, it is also, I, I'm confident, going to be day one Game Pass. So, I mean, Very I true. might not even have to buy it, but I will probably do it anyway because I want to. It's going to be a rough... Um, year next year because Zelda and Starfield and potentially Silksong are going to release. So yeah, we were talking about cause that we knew that indie showcase was coming up and you said it's very possible that we get like a, uh, an official launch date for Silksong. And yeah. I was like, well, what if it's like a hot drop? Like, it's immediately available. And I was like, what are you going to do? Because God of War Ragnarok just came out. I pro- I don't know. I probably would have de- dove into Silksong. I think that Keeley knows it's like the next Elden Ring type of thing where he's like good at, I think, feeling the pulse of like, what is everybody talking about? And mm-hmm. even when the, when the showcase was announced, I looked on Twitter and Silksong was trending. And there was like uh, the article on The Verge the person writing it was like, hey, there's an indie showcase. Also, maybe Silksong will be unveiled. Uh, so I feel like Keeley is aware. And so I think he probably is trying to grab that get of like a firm release date. So I'm hopeful that we'll get at the Game Awards. I I didn't believe that we, I don't know, I, was, I guess I was hopeful that we would get some sort of announcement at the indie showcase. But I feel like that's such a big tent pole people don't realize that someone's going to try to like snatch it up, you know? Yeah, especially... Like, uh, again, it could be a release date for both, for both uh, Starfield and Silksong at the Game Awards. Now, that would or, be, but that would bring down the house. For sure. But I, I I don't know. I can also see it being, like, day and date. Like, oh, we got it. It's live now. Go ahead and download it. But Well, also, here's something else. Here's Hollow Knight, I don't believe, originally had a physical release until it got really big and then they were like oh no now we'll do a physical release via this like uh whatever that company is that does physical releases sometimes yeah there's a bunch of them silk song though 
because I mean, Hollow Knight also was a uh, what's it called? A uh, what's that fundraising website? I can't think of the name of Kickstarter. Yes, a Kickstarter originally. Uh, but Silk Song is like a full game right from the start. It, I guess it originally started as DLC for Hollow Knight, but this is going to get, I think that they will have a collector's edition because they know people are obsessed with Silk Song and they're like, there's going to be a map, which I will definitely buy. Um, but I could see that there being like a whole, a bunch of stuff you can purchase in addition, like a special edition of Silk Song. So that's something, if we get two special edition announcements, that would be crazy. You, like, you think they'll have like a, a physical release day one and not like you have to wait six months to a year until one of these like specialty companies comes up with a physical release i feel like i mean i to me it seems like a no-brainer because so many people are love hollow knight it was such a sleeper hit i feel like they're they would be fools to not invest in you know physical maps and uh interesting little trinkets for silk song i feel like they they know what they have uh because we also, I mean, everyone I feel like is aware of it because it was, Nintendo initially was like, hey, take a look at this. And they showed it at the Nintendo's playground or whatever, the treehouse rather. And then the next one we got was at the Xbox showcase uh, during fake E3. We got Silk Song like right off the bat. So that's, those are two big companies that are both leading with, hey, take a look at this. It's going to be great. So I feel like it just being a digital download is, uh, I don't know. I feel like they're definitely going to have a special edition of it. Do you think it'll be day and date uh, Game Pass release? Do we already know that? I don't know. I feel like they didn't they say that in the Microsoft thing. Didn't they say like everything is going to be available on Game Pass? Yeah, that we're they showing? probably did. I I can definitely see it launching as a Game Pass game as well. So, but very excited for that, and I I think it's not unlikely. That's maybe my number one prediction for the Game Awards is that Keeley is has been smart enough and. I guess there's not another delay and he will have some news about Silk Song because I feel like that could really blow blow the water off of it or whatever. That's not a saying, but you know <laughs> what I mean. It's t- yeah, there's two a combination of two different things, but yes. Uh, but um, let's talk about something that's not exciting. Yes. Um Sony announced PlayStation VR 2 uh the release date which is February 22nd, 2023, but the price tag is insane. Not $549.99 with pre-orders beginning in a couple of days from now. And, and that's without 15. a game. Yeah, that's without a game. So you're out basically $600 if you want to play anything on this uh, right away. Uh, I did not see this being more expensive than the console itself. Yeah. Um, I don't know what... This was also... It's weird because this was announced and then uh, also... Meta came out with their uh, Quest Pro, which is also like $1,500. And these are just like two cost prohibitive things. I guess the Quest Pro isn't really geared towards like consumers. It's more geared towards business to business. But I don't know. Both of these are just pointing to like there have been massive uh, improvements to VR, but we're still in that phase where those improvements are not cheap to produce to the masses. So it's like very cost prohibitive. Like it's, it's a better experience. Like I've heard that on the PlayStation VR two and also on the quest quest pro, uh, the screen door effect that you always hear about where since your eyes are really close to the lenses, you can see the like in between the pixels. That's basically Mm. gone. That's no longer a problem with current gen VR headsets, but 
current Gen VR headsets are also super expensive. So yeah, I was gonna say, like, I know other VR headsets, like the Valve Index one, is like super expensive. Yeah, but I don't know, man. It's, I think the real jumping off point for VR in my mind is going to be maybe next year or the year after when the quest three comes out, because that's going to be targeted towards that's going to have a much more competitive price. And it's going to have all the improvements that the quest pro and the PlayStation VR two have, but it's not going to require a console or a computer. I, and I think that's, and also they, they're no longer, they're very much, they're distancing themselves, themselves from Facebook. I think a lot of people didn't jump onto the quest Two, even though it was pretty good because you had to have a Facebook account and people were like, no, we don't even have those anymore. We don't want this. <laughs> uh, and while meta is still, you know, under the hood, still Facebook. Um, I think the fact that they have switched over to having meta accounts has for, even though it's just a name change, it has like taken the sour taste out of some people's mouths, but I don't know. The don't PlayStation know. VR two is, I think not going to be, something that a lot of people pick up just because of the price tag yeah it does like it was already sort of a niche thing yeah um a little bit like you know move stuff was maybe in ps3 generation mm. but i mean that uh, you didn't have to pay as much to get in on if it you is to. crazy yeah so yeah i don't know i don't see this being a super big success story for PlayStation at that price tag, but they also talked about how they were going to have to raise prices for consoles as yeah. well. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just a rough time to I, launch a product like this. I think that it will be, mo- uh, it'll be making or breaking. That's not right. What am I trying to say? It will live or die by the games that are released. Now, if they, have talked to Valve and they're like, hey, we're going to get Half-Life Alex on this thing. And also in development, we have a AAA VR game that's exclusive to PlayStation that is blowing everyone out of the water. Um, Maybe, I mean, because also like you have your PS5 and now you don't have to buy another console for like, what, six or seven years. Maybe after like three years, you're like, you know, this PlayStation 5 is great. I have the itch to buy another console, but there's no new PS6. Maybe I'll pick up this PSVR, which will be discounted by then. Um, but I don't know. This year, I think they're not going to buy. They're not going to sell a bunch of them in 2023. I should say they did have. I think it was like 11 games that were supposed to launch with it. Um, they got the Horizon one. The Horizon one is maybe the big one. But yeah. then I was, I'm scrolling through this list of games, and one of them that's stuck out to me was a game called Cosmonious High. <laughs> what is that? Um, it's from the uh, creators of Job Simulator and Vacation Simulator. Oh. But, but like watching the... the uh, Is that Alchemy Labs? Yeah, but watching the gameplay, it seems like it is a game made for kids. That seems to be most of... Most of their games are just like playgrounds that are dense if you want them to be like you can do interesting things in them uh like there's a lot of emergent gameplay but you are just like it is for kids like uh it's basically just a playground yeah but surely you're not gonna spend 550 dollars for cosmonious high for your child uh i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe people will but i mean right when the switch came out i brought i bought one two switch zach 
Yeah, but it wasn't $550. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I bought the Switch, I'm saying. So, like, I bought the Switch and there were only so many games, so I was going to buy all the games. Sure, but, uh, yeah, if it's... Because you have to buy the console as well. So if you you don't already have a PlayStation 5, and then you have to drop another $550 on the headset, and then another however much on the, the game... Is Cosmonius High the selling point for you? I don't believe. No, I think definitely people are going to be getting it for that Horizon game because that's going to be like AAA and interesting. Does that one appeal to kids? I'm just trying to like find the market for this thing at this point, and I'm not sure where it is. I don't know. I mean, you know what came out this past week and is for children? Uh, it's for people of all ages, but um, Among Us VR came out. Oh, did it? It's not in our show notes, but yeah. It's available on, I think, a lot, most uh, platforms, but I was watching some people play it. I mean, Among Us was very big for a while with the youth, and uh, yeah. that's definitely a way. That is a game that I think that does lend itself very well to VR, uh, just the gameplay loop and uh, also playing with other people. I think VR is much more impressive when you are playing with another person, interacting with them in a VR space, and yeah, that's all this game that. is. Uh, so... That's, I think, it's one of those simple things where it's like, hey, this game is very simple, but it could be a console seller. It could get people to buy a Quest, uh, not a Quest Pro, but like a Quest 2, uh, just to play Among Us VR constantly. Well, but, and Among Us, is that free to play? Am I wrong about that? It, I mean, if it isn't at this point, it's probably like $5 on Steam, if not even that, probably. Yeah, so I mean, if you sell have like sort of a system seller for VR that happens to be free to play. So Mm. there's like, you're sort of removing a little bit of that, you know, barrier to entry. I feel like that would be a good thing to have, but anyway, I don't, I will not be picking one of these up. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. No, nor will I. I mean, I obviously, I don't have a PS five right now, but, um, what a crazy... Do you think we'll ever see... This will not happen, I think. But do you think we'll ever see a, a PlayStation 5... F- yeah, PlayStation 5 bundle with PSVR 2 included? That would be like a, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, More than $1,000, yeah. It would be uh, not... Like the price tag on that would be uh, a turnoff yeah. for a lot of people. For sure. Here's your holiday bundle. It, it has a PS5. It has PSVR 2 and a game with it. And it is like $1,200. It's like $1,200. Yeah, that's, I feel like, I don't know. I think the PSVR 2 presupposes that you have a PS5. Because if you don't, like, you can't buy both at the same time. That's just going to be such yeah. a hit to your wallet. Yeah, yeah, it would be a big mistake, I think. And like... You, you do have situations in the past, like I remember when the Switch launched, like more copies of Breath of the Wild had sold than Switches had sold. True. So like, I remember that clearly people were like, this is out of stock. I can't get it, but I know I'm going to. So I'm just going to already buy the game. And just I like, feel lucky like you and I were lucky because we lived in kind of a not a small town, but like uh we were able to just like pre-order a switch and then go in and get it day of. I had a friend who lived kind of in a, a much more suburban environment and mm-hmm. he had to go around to a bunch of different places. He he didn't go to like a midnight launch, but he was going around to like Toys R Us's and uh, Target's and he, it took him a while to find a switch because there was like a period of maybe two or three weeks, maybe even a month where it was difficult uh, to get. A well, switch. I got super lucky in that because I didn't even pre-order. You were just like, hey, you should come with me to this launch because we had like one of the guys we worked with 
worked part time at Best Buy and mm. happened to have the inside scoop that they were going to have extra switches on I hand for people that. who didn't pre-order. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And so like <laughs> I, you know, didn't plan ahead, uh, made that mistake, but was able to walk away with one on launch night anyway. So a great so, little yeah. console. A great little console. Uh, would like to have a Switch Pro, uh, but that seems to be nowhere coming soon, I guess. I was but. so sure that that was going to launch with Tears of the Kingdom before we knew what Tears of the Kingdom was called, but it seems like Tears of the Kingdom is just going to come out on Switch, and it's going to be all good. Yeah, I guess. So uh, one of the things we we're going we're gonna to talk about in a little bit is Sonic Frontiers, which you know has its own performance issues even on p- more powerful hardware but that game is on switch and i have to think that that is not going to run well yeah. um so that i i still think nintendo needs to like I, I mean maybe they're holding off because of chip shortage and just like you know everybody else is talking about raising prices on mm. current consoles right now and mm-hmm. it's just like maybe not a great time to try to launch a new thing because we're, I mean, we were, are just like, you know, making fun of Sony for having a ridiculously expensive uh, VR headset. I mean, if, you know, they were like, here's the Switch Pro or the Switch 2, and it's like $200 more than the previous Switch, everybody would be not happy. So. <laughs> um, but let's talk about something a little bit more fun. Uh, coming to Game Pass this month, it is November. Uh, some of these might already be... I actually I know some of these are already available uh, on Game Pass, but the big ones that stuck out to me, uh, Return to Monkey Island is out or, or coming soon to Game Pass, and then Go Song is uh, a Metroidvania that looks very Metroid inspired that mm. I've heard good things about. I've seen some gameplay, and I do want to play it eventually. Um, but right now I've too many other games to play yeah um but the the other two big ones on this list coming out this month somerville and pentiment i think are two exciting games coming out this month somerville is coming out as we're recording this next week unfortunately not for switch uh it's only coming out for xbox and uh, pc so i'll probably get to pick it up on pc uh, but I'm very excited for that. That's the jump ship game from the makers of uh, Inside and Limbo. That's going to be very good, I think. Penitent, is that the one that's like uh, old English drawings? Yeah, I believe it is Obsidian that made this. So like not something you expected from Obsidian, the the makers of uh, the Outer Worlds and mm-hmm. that grounded game. Um, it It looks pretty interesting to me i don't even know how i would describe this game um let me look at the steam store page so they it is like an illustrated game when europe is at the crossroads of great religious and political change so it looks like it's side scrolling and it's like a sort of a historical like you're you're having conversations and you're making little choices along Mm -hmm. the way um it seems interesting to me and the fact that it's obsidian who i tend to really like their games for their like storytelling and writing so i think this is one of those games that is not like going to be like a super mass appeal game but it's going to be like people are going to be talking about this um 
Somerville, I think, is the same way. I feel like a ton of people are going to stream it. Um, I know at least one of the streamers that I watch pretty regularly is very looking forward to it, and he's going to stream it. Um, But I predict this will be... I mean, if it's anything like Inside, it's going to be really good. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to those two. It is rough that they're coming out so soon after God of War, uh, which will not help them. But uh, I actually probably... At this point, I'm probably going to stick with God of War. I wonder how long their exclusivity is going to be with Xbox, because like I loved to play Inside on my Switch on mm-hmm. a big TV, and Somerville, I think, also would lend itself greatly to that. But if I have to play it on PC, I definitely will. Yeah, and for me, I do have a Steam Deck, so I kind of have oh, the yeah. best of both, best worlds of both worlds available. So, I mean, I will probably play these regardless. But they are on Game Pass, which... I have not set up my Steam Deck to be able to play Game Pass games. I should work on that. Um, that is sort of the one thing that holds that back. Because it's nice to not have to buy these games and still mm. be able to play them. But um, I would like to be able to play them on Steam Deck. Because both, it, to me, Pentiment and Som- Somerville look like games that you would love to play on Switch. Yeah. Which makes them like perfect Steam Deck games as well. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to work that out. But... Um, so not a great thing for Xbox Game Pass, uh, just as we're getting excited about games coming to Game Pass this month, Microsoft announced that they have actually, this is an Axios article, but they said Microsoft missed the Xbox Game Pass subscriber target for a second year. Is this, um, maybe some degree of proof that the subscription game pass model isn't working. I don't know. It could also be just executives giving like really high estimates. Like you have to hit this. It's like, you always see those square Enix things where square Enix claims that tomb Raider is a financial failure for them because they had these high expectations of what it should hit. And even though it was a big success, it didn't hit those expectations. So these could just be like milestones set by an, like an out of touch executive who's like, oh yeah, we should have like <laughs> five billion subscribers in the second half of this year, and if we don't hit, well, that, I can then read you the I can read you what they targeted. So this Axios article does have that Microsoft had targeted a seventy three percent growth rate for Game Pass in its uh, fiscal year ending in June 30, twenty twenty two, mm. but. The service only achieved 28% growth. That is a massive uh, under sort of underachievement, I guess. But, but it's but not like it is still growth. It's not shrinking. It's just not true. Growing they as made fast as they growth want. just not as much as they wanted. So it is one of those things that, like, I'm no businessman, but I would assume you could make a more conservative estimate about your growth than 73% and not make it look as bad or maybe even like achieve it as opposed to like, you know, I don't want to say you should lowball it and then be like, Hey, look, we overdid our estimate. Um, cause that's probably not how these executives think, but, uh, two years in a row, they've sort of failed to hit the, uh, the target. And, sort of tying into this is that Sony has lost 2 million subscribers since PlayStation online, since their uh, revamp of like PlayStation plus. Mm. 
so it seems like it's not just Xbox that's sort of struggling for online subscriptions, but it it, it could be just a sign of the times. But uh, I don't know. I I have not felt the desire whatsoever to subscribe to PlayStation Plus, but I am subscribed to Game Pass, so. Game Pass I, is a much better deal overall, I say. It is. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, like, if you could play Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, like, right now, day one, um, with the PlayStation Plus subscription, I feel like that would be way more compelling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they would probably have a ton of people subscribed right now because of, I mean, specifically because of God of War. It's still confusing like that, to me. Like be... I still I don't I still don't understand their tier system. It has like three or four tiers and one of them is for like super old games, but that's not the highest tier. Um I thought the old so that's the other thing that confuses me. Is I maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought their more expensive tier was the one that included the classic games. And I and like maybe that's it's the it reverse of what Nintendo's doing, where like if you want to play like the super old stuff, like the NES and Super NES, that's the cheapest tier, and it sort of goes up in terms of how much money per year you're paying for the subscription, based on like how recent the classics are that are mm. available. Beyond that, Sony's for whatever reason doing it the opposite. Where <laughs> if you're like nostalgic for old PlayStation One and Two games, you're paying the most premium price to get that that uh subscription tier i don't understand <laughs> i don't know i don't think they get it either yeah i feel like this is gonna need like another revamp before it maybe catches on but i don't know it's it's not good times for trying to sell your subscription service i know netflix has had their struggles as well where they've lost a lot of subscribers um it's it could just be a sign of the times, but I th- I think PlayStation needs to work on their offerings. But let's talk about something a little more optimistic. Um, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which I have fin- finished since we last talked, um, announced their, their three DLC packs that they have spread out across next year. So in early 2023, they've got the Tower of Doom, uh, which is a new combat game mode. That's like the first DLC pack that's going to drop. Then in mid-2023, they have, I guess, like a new boss that you're going up against. It says, heroes confront a mysterious foe on a new enchanting planet. So it's like a new location Mm -hmm. that you're going to go around and do uh, sort of all the activities that you have come to know from the base game. Uh, but there's like a new boss, so maybe some new sort of story chapter there. Uh, And then DLC 3 coming in late 2023 is going to add Rayman. Yeah, Rayman. If you remember him. Uh, This seems like a specific thing because it says Rayman, Rabbid Peach, and Rabbid Mario are going on their own adventure, so it doesn't seem like you're going to have access to everyone, just these three characters. I'm curious if Rayman will just be sort of added to the group so if you like started a new playthrough or you just start your playthrough in late 2023 when this launches if you'll mm-hmm. just have access to rayman mm-hmm. or if he's exclusive to this like separate dlc thing 
That's a good question. I also wonder what his cool abilities will be. Yeah, it's true. I'm not sure what, like, it's hard to judge because you look at Mario and you go, oh, he'll throw fireballs or do some punches and kicks. Nope, he has two guns. <laughs> so who knows what Rayman will bring to the table, but... Um, anyway, I like that game. We can talk about it more a little bit later. Uh, another game that I was not expecting an announcement for, Remedy has confirmed... Wait, do you want to talk about this contr- Hideo Kojima thing? Oh, did I skip one? There, Did you watch those uh, Hideo Kojima, the leaks of that, whatever that L Fanning game is going to be? I did not. It doesn't really tell you a lot about the game. I watched these. I don't know if they're still up. But you're sort of, uh, the one I saw, You're it's kind of third person. You're this lady running around and you have a, a flashlight. And then at some point she gets very afraid and screams. Uh, and maybe there's more, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he's far, somewhat far along uh, making his little L Fanning game. So uh, look forward to that. I don't remember what it's has, called. Has he talked about it on his podcast? I haven't listened to a single episode of it. Maybe. But. I don't know. Uh, I every once in a while will see clips from his podcast, but it's always just him talking about insane stuff like... Uh, Yes, yeah, snakes are wiggly. And so I was like, <laughs> what if I thought up a thing that was like a solid snake? And uh, people are like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that podcast is weird and maybe not like uh, it, something that you have to check out if you're big on games or even like Kojima games because it's just like really weird. But Let's talk about this other one that is, I think, uh, more exciting, at least for me. Yeah, so did you play the first Control? I loved it. I, I completed it, and I bought the DLC, and I, I beat both of the DLC. Or no, I'm sorry. I played the first DLC, but I didn't play the Alan Wake DLC. So I own Control on PC, I think. Uh, and I started it, and then I got like wrapped up in something else and never got back to it. Man, so- I, I loved this. I couldn't put this game down. I just love the aesthetic of it, and the combat of it was so fun to me. All the upgrades you get were so satisfying. Uh, I was very into it. Yeah, it seemed very cool. I liked the the gun and like the crazy sort of... It was weird how it was like sort of floating around a little yeah. bit. But- Everything about it was uh, great to me. I... I, so Control 2 is in the works. Remedy is making Control 2, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I don't know if this is going to... like the, A cool thing about the first one is it all took place at the Bureau, which was in the oldest house, which is this just uh, crazy labyrinthine uh, building in, you know, in I think it was in New York that uh, you kind of get trapped in because it's locked down because there's this uh, thing going on. But now you're the head of the bureau. You're, uh, I don't remember any of the terminology from this game, but you're like the chief or whatever. And the main deal about the bureau, it, I don't even remember what's called the bureau, actually. It's been a while since I played this, but they go out and they collect, you know, interesting objects that are uh, potentially harmful or just like weird. Uh, and then they collect them all and they put them in safe places. So I wonder if this game, this new game is also going to take place in the oldest house or if you're going to go out into the world and start like collecting things or really what the, I'm not really sure. There's a lot of hanging threads like you're looking for your brother in the first one uh, and you eventually do find him. But uh, I don't remember how resolved that is. I feel like he's maybe in like a comatose state. 
Um, that may have gotten resolved in one of the DLCs, but I, I really don't know what Control 2 would be if it is not inside the big building that is the oldest house. And I'm very excited to see. I wonder if there's like another branch somewhere. But I mean, something that every review talked about in Control 1 is the brutalist architecture of the place that you're at. Because uh, it was just like very beautifully, interestingly designed uh, with that brutalist architecture. And so to take you out of that into just like a real world environment, I think would maybe lose some of the appeal. That kind of makes me think it has to be in at least something that was built by the people who built the oldest house. So you still get that cool architecture, retains that feel. But I really, I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, IGN's article says that Control 2 is still in the concept stage. Mm. So it's like very far away still. Um, they haven't like actively started development. So mm. like it is in the works in some form, but it will not, will not see it for a long time. And that's at least good news because it'll definitely be current gen without like a PS4 version. So it is going to look probably, I mean, the original Control looked very, very good and mm-hmm. crisp. All those like, Again, it's that brutalist architecture. Everything has like crisp lines. Uh, so this one is going to be probably beautiful to watch. Yeah, they did up the the budget as well. Ooh. Like the first game cost about thirty million. This one's going to cost about fifty two million. That's good. Uh, which uh, IGN has in context: The Witcher three cost eighty one million, and Red Dead Redemption two cost eighty. Uh, yeah, Red Dead Redemption cost between eighty and one hundred million. Hmm. So I mean, still not on the budget of those games, but uh, an upgrade from the first game, which, as you said, already looked fantastic. I so, love that. That was a game where I think that was uh, on Stadia. It was a, a free game, so I picked it up. Oh yeah, and I started replaying it just because. Uh, why not? Because it looked better. Yeah. Obviously, I played it on my PS4, and it was being upscaled to be on Stadia. And it was great. I, I loved to play it. Uh, I played maybe like I got like three hours in and then something else came out. But I was loving even replaying it. Yeah. And it's not the only control game that's in development right now. They're also working on a four player cooperative PVE game. That's oh. that was announced, I guess, last summer. I do not remember. I don't this. remember that at all. But uh, IGN is reporting that it's codenamed Condor. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, codenamed Condor. They're working on a, a PVE sort of uh, cooperative game. Dead by Daylight type of thing? I don't know. It's very interesting to me. I do like um, those sort of co-op games where you can just like, if it lets you, uh, you know, group up with randoms and do stuff and it's not like super intense but i find those to be like a fun relaxing like not too serious type of a thing to play but would you be interested in like how would you how would they do something like that would it be like um i guess i don't know the world of control well enough to say like if you know some sort of survival type situation um, to me it seems like like it would be a dead by daylight thing where Maybe you go out, you've heard reports of an, an item. I forget what they even call the items, but like an item of interest or whatever. And so you're a team tasked with collecting this item that's doing crazy stuff. And 
once you collect it, you bring it back to the bureau. So that, I guess, I would lend itself well to a, a four-player co-op where you're in an environment, much like almost a Ghostbusters game almost, where you're in an environment, there is a, a crazy thing causing, you know, interesting effects happening, but also, you know, uh, there are, like, mobs to kill. And then you collect it, and then you go on to the next one. I could definitely see that being uh, a viable game. Yeah, I can see them doing, like, a, a, a version of Dead by Daylight where instead of, like, you know, four players against one monster, it's four players against, like, an AI-controlled monster. Yeah. That, I think, could be a fun thing to play as well. But I threw this next game in here. I saw this earlier this week, and I was like, I should put this in the show notes. Uh, have you heard of this, this project, The Perceiver? I have not. This is giving me real Ghost of Tsushima vibes. I loved Ghost of Tsushima, so I would... Maybe I do remember this. This is... I'm just uh, looking at the trailer now. I mean, it's definitely you're a guy, and you're in uh, some sort of Asian setting. And there's stealth elements, there's sword fighting elements, uh, but you also seem to have magic powers, which is something that was not in Ghost of Tsushima. Um, if you skip around to like the end of the trailer, things start to get crazy. Uh, so there's like way more, uh, supernatural elements, uh, that look very interesting, but I don't know if this is one of those things where this isn't the official name of this. Like it's called project, the perceiver. I remember, uh, wasn't that other, that game where you're a witch, where there's terrible dialogue, didn't that have it like a project something, and then it has a new name now? So this could be something where this isn't even the final name of this game. Yeah, I feel like we saw a trailer that was kind of like this, uh, that looked very similar to this in like a, like a summer games fest or something like that, like maybe not even this year, but like last year. Mm. And I was like, oh, that looks very much like Ghost of Tsushima, but like a more fantasy version of that. Yeah. But it was maybe not Japan. Like maybe it was uh, like ancient China or something like that. It you know, that does Japan. sound familiar to me. Yeah. But it, it did not have this name. Like I think it was called something else. Hmm. So I am confused now because I, I don't know if th this is that game, but under a different name, maybe they like went back to the drawing board with the name or maybe I'm just thinking of the wrong thing. I did briefly want to touch on this before we start talking about God of War. Uh, AGDQ has announced their schedule for their January show. I think it's going to be online again. Uh, so this one will be uh, pretty fun. I think there are some interesting ones. I had a couple that I wanted to point out. Maybe we'll do another one of those videos like we used to do of things to look forward to for AGDQ because there are some good ones in this one, including Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which is a game I loved in high school. Any percent Nosferatu. Nosferatu is the hardest, I feel, uh, type to be because you can't really be seen by people. Like It really gets rid of a lot of your dialogue options. The thing I'm most excited about, or I guess I, before that, uh, Gungrave. Did you ever play Gungrave back in the day? No, you told me about it, but I have not played it. I was obsessed with that game for some reason, and I beat it like four times and did everything you could in it. I like 100% did it a bunch of times. It had like two sequels that I never really checked out, but Gungrave is happening, but this is where it's at. There is a seven hour and 10 minute uh, any percent run of Final Fantasy VII that's happening on Ooh. 
Wednesday, January 11th, and it's any percent no slots, and I don't know what that means. It could mean that they don't use Materia, which would be insane yeah, to me. I was going to say, just no Materia, maybe? Now, in another interesting thing, I watched, a couple of years ago, I watched a pretty long, I want to say it was a Final Fantasy VII speed run that was, you know, similar in time. It was also like seven or six or seven hours, but that was by like four people. And every once in a while, the next person would start to play because it, it's like, you know, an endurance trial. But this is being done by one guy uh, or girl. I don't know. It's his, the person's name is Zeal. Uh, Z-H-E-A-L. Um, I don't know what to think about this, but uh, I am definitely going to check this out. Um, other things I wanted to touch on. There's a lot of games in here I like, so yeah, could be... An- interesting show to watch on tuesday they have a any percent run of wave tail on google stadia Ooh, yeah which i played and i love that game i put up a little review on our youtube channel there's a metroid should dread be coming to pc at some point i'd be into that i need to check that game out because you said it's it was very, very similar to uh it was like a better version of uh bowser's fury where yeah. like you're sort of going around like the water and you have like these really fun, really smooth uh, movement mechanics. And then you're like stopping off at these like little islands to do little sort of puzzles and collect stuff and that kind of thing. And then you sort of open up more of the map and you keep going around. Also, Reminded me a lot of a different version of uh, Bowser's Fury. That game that came out last year that I was really into, Haiku the Robot, or maybe that was this year. Uh, there's an 80% oh, yeah. run that's only like 25 minutes. Also, there's a Katana Zero run that is going to be Ooh, I love done by that it's an 80% done by a TAS, which is a tool-assisted speed run. So basically, a computer is doing it as fast as like a computer can. So that game is really? going to be beaten in 15 minutes. Wow. That game's awesome, by the way. If you've not played uh, Katana Zero, I highly recommend it. But Oh, and also, there's a, a PSVR, or I'm sorry, a PCVR uh they're going to do Half-Life Alex, a Half-Life Alex speed run. Interesting. Which is going to be interesting. Also, I will say I have seen a speed run of Half-Life Alex where they go out of bounds a lot and it look it's crazy to look at someone going out of bounds in VR, but this one is an <laughs> in-bounds run. So they're not going to be doing any crazy skips where you have to like jump through a wall and all of a sudden you're at the end of the level. So this one is going to be one to watch as well. Half-Life Alex is going to be on the final day. A lot of interesting games in here to watch for sure. Uh, Even on the first day, I I don't know if you've ever dipped your toes into, I bought, I didn't, I think it was free actually, Metal Gear Solid's Ground Zeroes. It's like the prequel to Metal Gear Solid 5 Phantom Limb. You can beat it in like 30 minutes or something, but uh, this is going to be more of, it's going to be a speed run, but it's also just going to be kind of a showcase. They have a Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes that's going to happen on Sunday the 8th, which is the first day of the event. It's going to be 35 minutes long. It's a perfect stealth, no kills, no game plus. So this is probably going to be... I mean, I always see clips of people playing Metal Gear Solid Five Phantom Limb where they're so good at it, they like throw a bomb on a guy and then use that guy to destroy a tank somehow by like bouncing him off a bunch of things and using those Fulton balloons. But this, I think, is going to be one to watch. I think it's going to be very impressive to see. Well... Do you want to dive into 
maybe just before we get into God of War Ragnarok, just some initial thoughts on Sonic Frontiers, because we've not played it, but we have watched a good amount of it. I've watched a good amount. Uh, People seem to be into it. It definitely is very janky. Like uh, the pop-in is something you have to talk about if you're ever talking about that game, because you're going so fast, the game really can't keep up with Sonic. But I've also heard people saying it's a lot of fun, and it's just like kind of a weird, fun game you can kind of mess around in. Um, which I was surprised by. I thought it was just going to be bad, but it seems like it's uh, maybe poorly made, but pretty good. Yeah, it's one of those games that is like, most people are like, yeah, there's a lot of flaws with this, but at the end of the day, I'm like having a fun time playing it, so they don't really care that much that about the flaws. Like, it's not enough to make them want to stop playing. Hmm. I will say I watched somebody streaming it the other day, And there's this like big robot enemy that you kind of find like just out in the the open world. And it seemed it brought back bad memories of that Solar Ash game. Do you remember that? Yes. Where like uh, you're going along like the backside of this like flying sort of lizard snake like creature and you... I had to stop playing that game because I got so frustrated with like (laughs) you would hit these points that would like sort of propel you forward to another point along the back and like it would just like randomly throw me off the the boss enemy that I was supposed to be fighting and it was like it seemed like through no fault of my own it just kept throwing tossing me off and i kept having to start over Mm. and I got so frustrated I was like I can't do this anymore (laughs) so I just stopped playing that game. I feel like I would run into that same situation with Sonic Frontiers just based on watching other people play it because there's a lot of like um, it seems like the bosses are all about instead of just damaging you, which I guess they can do. It's more about stopping you or preventing you from getting where you're supposed to go. So there there are these like red sort of. rings that kind of go at you and like bounce you back and just like the the nature of a sonic game is like move fast and so whenever the game is stopping you (laughs) i want it to be like one of those games you know those like the mobile games where you're like skiing downhill and it's supposed to be very zen like oh yeah those i want uh, it to be runners yeah i want it to be like smooth and satisfying like that and this seems like it's constantly stopping your progress which would frustrate me (laughs) um i'm not really a sonic person are you i know you sort of grew up with sonic a little bit more than i did i did i i had a couple sonic games for my sega when i was a child and then in college i got really into i discovered podcasts uh and so i would listen to podcasts and i would play like Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles just like on an emulator on my laptop and just listen to podcasts for hours at a time such that this was before I knew what speedrunning was but um I could beat uh like Sonic and Knuckles in like 20 minutes or something not so, maybe not something that extreme but every time I would pick it up I would beat it um and I'm very into it I mean the music is so good I've never found I've never played a, a 3D Sonic that I've loved uh, but I would check this out maybe if it, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a situation where I would check this out actually. Um, it is very weird because it is kind of like 
it's a weird tone i think yeah for sonic which is normally like bright and cheerful and like fast paced and this is more like like everybody keeps comparing like sort of the opening place you're in to like death stranding but with like sonic in it yeah <laughs> um it, it is a weird tone because you have sort of the like it's rainy and kind of dreary out uh in the open world and you have this like sort of uh moody uh sort of almost breath of the wild like piano music but then you're just like running around doing random things um and so people have said like yeah there are flaws like that but it ends up still being fun so people are enjoying it i just don't know if it's something that would appeal to me so i I think i will probably not play it but zach we're at about 53 minutes, it's time to begin talking about God of War. <laughs> it is time to start talking about God of War. Uh, how far are you? I'm about four and a half hours. I have, I guess, how spoilery do we want to get in this? I mean, I guess we don't really know anything. Yeah, um, I was going to say, we, we are limited on just how spoilery we can even get because we're not too terribly far in. But um, So I will say where I am in the story is I'm in... Here's something about this game. It's very hard to talk about because all of the realms are... I'm in Spidal... I don't even know. The, the dwarf Spidal film, something, yeah. Um, yeah. I just did all of those uh, mining things from Amir. And I also freed that little, that like big whale island thing. And okay, so yeah, I did that stuff too. I've just completed all of those and I was about to head to do main story stuff before we started recording. Yeah, so they they kind of have two different like I guess activities where you sort of have like you know the linear mainline story mission stuff that you're doing and then you also have these little segments that are like the boat segments where you just are going around uh, sort of freely doing like side quests and like the boat stuff, which is very similar to the boat stuff from the first game again, reminded me of uh, Bowser's Fury Cause you're just like yeah. going around the water, stopping off at these like little islands to do like these puzzle stuff and get some stuff. Um, and they're all, they're tied to like side quests and so they're worth doing. But one thing I um, have a criticism, I have very few okay. criticisms, uh, but I don't super like controlling the boat. I will just barely miss a barrel and I will have to like stop down and confusingly turn the boat around <laughs> and then pick up some speed and hit that barrel. I wish it was a little easier to control the boat. But other than that, um, I've been loving it. Yeah, uh, I do like that the game is much faster to getting to like the Blades of Chaos yeah. and some some of the other like more combat centric stuff that like the game, the first game took much longer to give to you. Um, such that people are also commenting about how it basically took until the end game before you could actually start sort of having builds with like, true, you know, your armor and your weapons and all of that stuff. Um, and this game, it's like right from the get go, basically, you can immediately start keying into stuff such that I've actually thought about doing, uh, more of a like unarmed like melee combat type Mm. of a thing just because it's it builds up the stun meter so much faster to just like punch the enemy and then you get you get the uh uh the little button press prompt to to do like an execution type of a thing and so that seems to be a very efficient way of getting rid of like mobs of enemies um 
But I, I also enjoy using the weapons. Um, are you using the Blades of Chaos or the Axe more? I get, I go back and forth. Um, the game wants you to do that. For sure. And I, I love the Axe. I am not like... I, I, I didn't remember feeling this uh, in the original... In 2018 God of War. But I have such trouble aiming like the throw of the Axe. Uh, so if I do any kind of ranged thing, I always switch to the Blades of Chaos. But I like my axe right now is leveled up to level two, uh, as opposed to my Blades of Chaos because I haven't found a Chaos Flame, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, so I've been using the axe a little more to just do like DPS. But um, I don't know. I go back and forth. You, do you think this is something I was thinking about? So you fight Thor in the first couple hours. Yeah, that's sort of the Balder like yeah. opening fight scene, just like done again, but with Thor this time. Do you think you're gonna kill him and get Thor's hammer? That's a good question. I I don't know how it's gonna work in this universe. Cause is it a question of are you worthy? But Ooh. like Thor in this world I doesn't seem that. worthy. So <laughs> so I don't, I don't know because I I you were talking just now you. It made me think about like how that was such a crazy epic moment. You've had the axe for so long, and then eventually you're like, you know what? I need a, I need my, I need the good stuff. So you go and you uh, ride your boat, and everything is all scary, and you see Athena and stuff, and then you get your blades of chaos, and like the game basically changes because you have this new way of doing things. Do you think at some point in this game you will... Uh, well, I'll, I'll expand it to say, do you think you get a different weapon besides the axe and the blades of chaos at some point in this game? I do wonder about that because I I wondered how they would evolve the combat since like it was so good in the first yeah. game. Um, and aside from like giving you access to more things earlier on uh, and allowing you to sort of do more with builds this time around, I... It seems very similar in a lot of ways, um, which is not a bad thing because the, the combat was like the highlight of the first game. Yeah. So getting more of that, I'm not upset about. But No, I love all. And I also am playing it on not the easiest setting, but the second from easiest. The easiest is called just like, just give me story. I think I'm playing in like the, the grace one, the one right above that. So combat has not been super difficult for me. It's been just a fun a fun time for me to experiment and do different combos and stuff. Um, but I also like that power fantasy of getting a new weapon and just being, I mean, that was what I liked about the original God of Wars is uh, you would run up to Hercules and then you would kill Hercules and you would get like giant gauntlets that he was using in the boss fight that are just like two silver lion heads. And then that's your weapon now, or like <laughs> you get a big purple ax or like a giant sword that you take off of something. And, God of War 2018 had that when you got the Blades of Chaos. It was very cool, but I don't know if uh, this one, if they're just like set in their ways and they're like, no, these are your two weapons. You have hot and cold uh, and you kind of can bounce them back and forth. Um, I don't know. It would be interesting if you if you get like Thor's hammer or something else that gives you a... I actually don't know how that would work. I wonder if you would be able to throw it like he throws it. I also wonder if it would let you fly. I haven't seen any like... I haven't been spoiled at all, so I don't know if you get the ability to fly, but that would be crazy. Yeah, I've avoided, like, everybody on Twitch right now is streaming yeah. God of War, and, like, everybody's talking about it, and I have avoided all of it, because I, I, I'd want to be surprised as I'm going through this, um, so I there's a lot I don't know about what comes up later, but not to spoil something that's going to happen for you in, like, an hour or two, but it does <laughs> change 
like you get to do something else with the combat other than just like the axe and the blades of chaos all the time mm. in a way that is like cool and interesting mm. and was not present in the first game um but i won't elaborate on that so that you can still discover it for yourself but um yeah i i'm playing on whatever the default difficulty was and i have died a couple of times um and they do still give you that thing where like you can buy something from yeah that talisman or whatever yeah so you can get a revive which i always forget to buy so when i die i just have to restart from a checkpoint anyway (laughs) but but um yeah, I'm a little bit further than you. So, you know, you're like next up, I think after like where you're at right now, you're probably going to get tier. Yes, we're going to the guy that knows where tier is probably. And then we're going to go get tier. So I'm a little bit beyond that. And um, I have just met like a new character and I am like really enthralled by this game story in a way that I don't think I was with the first game because the first game I thought was like it was good, but it was like much more simple. It was like uh, a dad and a son are like on this journey to scatter the ashes of um, the son's dead mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And like it, all of that is complicated by the fact that there are these like, evil gods in this land that will not leave them alone and stuff like that and now in this game you just have like way more layers because you have so freya hates kratos because he killed balder in the first game and so you have to be thinking about her she's on the table somewhere there as like a a piece that's going to be moving around throughout this game and then you have um thor and odin who seem like the main villains of right. the game, which by the way, the vocal performances are great. Yeah. Like I this, was not expecting Thor to look or act like that, but it's very interesting. And it, I think makes it its own. Cause I mean, it's a, it's a difficult task because now in pop culture, everyone like knows who Thor is and kind of thinks of Chris Hemsworth, but this yeah, is a totally different take on it. Very different take on Thor, which I thought as well. I was like, wow, this is like a wildly different. Yeah. Uh, take on the character from the mcu but um everybody's giving a lot of credit to the voice actor for odin they're like immediately give him the like game award for best (laughs) like vocal performance because he does kind of steal the show when he first arrives and you there's sort of a sit down meeting between thor odin and uh kratos Mm -hmm. they're very early on in the game um and it's such a cool scene yeah Uh, it it reminded me a lot of that opening scene of inglorious bastards Mm. where there's just like this very tense sequence where it's like nobody's fighting nobody's yelling at each other but they're they're just sitting around a table but there's like this tension that you just is like um it's very thick very strong tension in the room so i think they've done uh already a very good job with the the writing and the characters uh and so i'm hooked on just like seeing where this is gonna go and in a way that i I don't think the first game ever did so (laughs) and i think the combat everybody's good so like so far i think it is exceeding uh the 2018 god of war um i've heard some people that maybe prefer that one but i'm 
baffled by that as a take, but maybe I haven't seen everything yet. So I yeah, don't know. I feel like it's only going to get more deep and rich the further you play, and it's yeah. going to get better and better. So yeah, I, I'm loving it so far. Um, we should definitely play more of this game and then return, and oh yeah, we'll have more to, to say on like a, a future podcast. Hopefully, but. I've been playing it like for at least maybe like a half an hour every night since I started it. So I'm hoping to be, you know, significantly farther along. Maybe I think tomorrow I might have a, a long uh, stretch of time where I can play for a good amount of time. But whenever I can, I'm going to continue my progress. So we'll have an update next week. Yeah, I, I'm definitely planning on playing a bunch uh, this weekend as we're recording and throughout uh, next week. But So do we want to talk about what else we're playing? We, we can talk about Mario and Rabbids because you have played some and I have finished it. Yeah, I think we just, uh, we're still in the ice world. We're in like part two of the ice world, but I'm still loving it. Um, the the freedom it gives you to just like uh, pick your team at any any point and uh, like respect people as much as you want. Like, that's great. I felt a little bit locked in because also all of your characters level up at the same time. That was a problem with the first one where you would get a group, like a team that was like your team. And if you ever needed to switch... Well, that was the other thing about the first one is you never really needed to switch. If you had your core team, you were just good to go. But this one presents you with interesting challenges where you're like, oh, no, Luigi is a good idea here. Or like Rabid Mario is definitely the one I want because I need to do a lot of up-close damage to a lot of people all at once. Um, but, yeah, I'm loving it so far. I think we're taking our time with it. But uh, it's been it's been, I think, markedly better than the first one. Yeah, I never played the first one, but I I really liked it such that it even made me think like, do I like tactics games more than I thought I did? You may be. I mean, Tactics Ogre came out this week and everyone is talking about how great it is. Yeah, so I I finished it. I won't I like this main story is not like something anybody really cares about, but it's it's fine. <laughs> um <laughs> I won't spoil any of it for you. Not that there's necessarily spoilers for it, but um, yeah, I had a really good time with the combat. I liked swapping out the characters and the sparks and sort of using different strategies and sort of, um, yeah, working through different battles that way. And the, the last battle that you have does bring sort of all the characters into the mix. So even if you haven't really played them much during the like rest of the game, you get a chance to sort of uh, spend some time working with them as well. That sounds great. So yeah, I thought I really enjoyed uh, the way they did the, the last battle. It wasn't super difficult, I thought, but um, there, there was some harder, uh, fights in there uh, towards the end in sort of the last area you're at um, or maybe it's the one before that where and they're kind of optional battles too but there are some where it's like um, you have these different creatures and I forget what they're called but they they one of them can sort of silence your characters by like making them so that they can't use their main weapon. And then they also have the ability to stop you from using items. Mm. And so you basically need to have the, there's like an item that you can buy that it like will cleanse you of that status effect. And so it got really annoying because there were so many of those guys constantly trying to keep my characters because you have to get close to them to do damage to them. 
but if you get close enough to do damage to them, they're just going to like hit you with that status effect. And then uh, there were another version of that type of a character that also had the ability to heal them and like add like defense to them. So it just became this like really slow slog of a fight where mm-hmm. I was like constantly having to cleanse my characters to be able to do anything. And then I was having to like hit them the same character over and over again because he was constantly getting like healed and like a defense buff. Mm-hmm. So that was frustrating, but it was an optional battle. So it's like whatever. But um, that was the only really frustrating thing I found with the game. Otherwise, I really enjoyed it uh, the whole way through. So, uh, And then I, I already talked about Ghostbusters, yeah. the video game remaster, which that came out in like the 360 generation. Yeah, like it did. A while ago, yeah. 2009. And I've heard uh, interesting they, things about that because they got a lot of the original voice cast and I heard they used a script that was supposed to be Ghostbusters 3 and they just adapted yeah. it for the game. Yeah, they did. So I looked it up after the fact as I was playing through it and I was like, uh, it was very interesting. If you're a Ghostbusters fan and you've not played this, it is basically what they would have done with uh, Ghostbusters 3, except it's like the video game version. Mm-hmm. And you sort of play this recruit that's joining the Ghostbusters team. And it does take you through like some of the um, things from like early, like the first uh, movie where you're like, you're, you have to go get Slimer from like the hotel or whatever. Mm. And you have to fight the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, but then it moves on beyond that and does a lot of like new things. So it, I thought it was a fun game. Uh, it had its like, frustrations as well it's not like a perfect game or anything but it i think it holds up relatively well uh like it it runs at a pretty stable frame rate and everything uh and it was cool to see those characters again and to have like the actual voice actors involved so i wonder if one day they will do like a full-on remaster where they just take like the voice work and everything uh from the original game but then they like build everything else new around it. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> I think that would be cool, but who knows? Who can say? Uh, and then I have played some Overwatch 2, uh, which we don't have to talk too much about. I am enjoying that, and I do want to play more of it, but like, there's so many other things to play right now. Yeah. It's just kind of a little bit fallen off my radar. Uh, and then I play, I've been playing Plague Tale Requiem a little bit, I think that game is very good, but also like it's one of those like stealth games where like I'm kind of bad at them where I just don't have the patience. <laughs> so very often uh, in a stealth game, I will in most stealth games, there's like combat where it's like, OK, you can either stealth your way through this or you can go combat. And usually I start off doing stealth. And when that all falls apart, I end up doing all the combat. This game doesn't really work that way. Like you can do some combat, but like if you get found, you're most likely going to die. So you do have to sort of play into the stealth of it. So and I like the graphics, I think, are are great. Not quite on the level of like Horizon Forbidden West or maybe even God of War, but like very good with like lighting and textures and like all of that such that it is a little bit frustrating that they don't like signpost like exits of Mm. the area very well. Yeah. So like you're trying to sneak around from point A to point B 
And half the time, I don't know where it wants me to go. <laughs> like, I literally played, like, ring around the rosy, sort of stealthing around, like, this one enemy that I had left that I didn't have a way to, like, kill. Just to try to avoid him until I could figure out where I was supposed to go. And I eventually found it, and it was, like... um these like innocuous looking planks of wood that I could interact with. And I was like, man, I wasted so much time. I could have just gone to this, but I didn't know where it was <laughs> and there was no way to know until I got there. But So that's a little bit frustrating, but otherwise I think it's good. And I think hey, I was listening to the min max podcast this week and they were talking about it and they said it's, it strikes them as like B tier naughty dog which I think is a good like app description for it because it's very similar to something like the last of us where it's like this like um, character story driven um, like harrowing journey between two characters basically. Um, And it's just like stealth and some light combat um, and it's very linear. Mm -hmm. Is this, I don't know if the studio is owned by Microsoft or if it might be it might have gotten purchased by them yeah first party now like i know the game's on playstation as well so it's not like an exclusive or anything but or playstation yeah maybe it's just because i have um played it uh, the first one and this one on game pass i just think of it as being like an xbox studio thing but maybe Mm. it's not um but either way uh i think it's good It, it is like the perfect sort of game pass thing where it's like i don't think i would buy this game to play it myself but like since it's on game pass it's worth playing and it's like very good as something you would play on game pass so Hmm. and then the other thing (laughs) that i've been playing that i'm not necessarily proud that i'm playing and we don't have to talk about it that much because it's like literally at the intersection of just about everything you don't like in a game um I'll check the boxes off. So it is a superhero game, Mm. Strike One. Okay. It is a mobile game, Strike Two. Oh. And there are. I know what you're playing. Microtransactions. Can you guess? I believe it's Marvel Snap. It is. It is like a card based game, which I know you don't like. Um, I will say I almost downloaded it this week. It is very good. <laughs> I, a bunch of people on podcasts that I'm listening to are playing it and loving it. I was very my uh, I had a lot of downtime this past week at work. I was like, man, should I play this? And I have not played it yet. But every single person that I've heard play t- talking about it has said it's like so good and addictive. It is maybe the first time since something like Pokemon Go or. Um maybe hearthstone since Flappy like a Bird. mobile game has been like this ubiquitous yeah. in terms of like just people within the industry um just talking about it and like saying it's like some people are saying it's like a dark horse like game of the year candidate just because like people can't stop playing it it came out of nowhere um, it seems like yeah i had no idea uh that it was even in the works but then it came out and everybody can't stop talking about it but it is, I think it's made by, like, former Hearthstone developers, which maybe makes oh, sense really? as to why, like, their battle system is so good. Yeah. But um, it's very fun. I don't really care about the Marvel, like, license with it. Like, if it were just, like, generic fantasy card thing, it would still <laughs> be great. Um, 
I don't, I also don't care about deck builders, but like this keeps it so simple because you only have like 12 cards in the deck and it, the games are played out across six turns. So you can like play a match in like three minutes. Mm-hmm. And so it's like super fast. So like when I'm at work, every time I get up and I go to the bathroom, I like play a match <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a nice little escape. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And then of course they have like the snap mechanic, which is basically like poker where it's like, um, do we play for more cubes that like, uh, is sort of a resource that helps you sort of level along like the season pass type of thing. It may not be the season pass. There are like eight different forms of progression in the game. Oh, I don't sure. really quite understand it all, but like, um, I, I do recommend it. It's, it's also like free to download on steam. Um, it's not, you can is tell it? it's like de- designed mobile first, but like it is on steam. So you can play it there as well. That is interesting to me. I might, uh, I used to love, I don't know what it is about moving Hearthstone, because I was into Hearthstone for a while, and I did enjoy, like, moving those cards around with my mouse. Um, I might download this on Steam just to dip my toes in it, and if I like it, I might put it on my phone. Yeah, so I I mean, I've been playing it mainly on my phone, but I have put some time into it on Steam as well. Is it shared progression? It is. So, yeah, you just sign in with your your Google Play account or whatever. And you're, it's shared across both devices. And it is, it's just a really good, like, combat system. It's very, uh, things are kept very simple. There are, like, three different lanes that you can sort of play cards in. And each lane has, like, a different status effect uh, that's randomized. Uh, and you're just trying to uh, play cards in each of them and build up enough power that you sort of outpower your opponent in two of the three lanes. And if you do that, you win. And if you don't, you lose. And you don't quite know what the other team or the other person has in their hand versus what you have available. Mm. And, um, you know, sort of snapping to either try to intimidate them into retreating or uh, you can kind of use it as like a bluff. Or you can just, um, if you think you're going to win, you just snap and then you get more resources out of it. So, mm. and, and even if you retreat or you lose, you still get like some sort of progression and you're sort of like leveling up your uh, uh, collections aesthetics, which helps unlock more stuff as well. So it, it is one of those games that's like constantly giving you like every few hours, there's like a, some new missions and the missions are like, win three games or something like that so it's like not super complicated but it's also just very fun and addicting (laughs) so so i i recommend it it's very fun i've been playing a lot of it and you can totally ignore any of the like paid elements so i also recommend doing that (laughs) there you go uh do you have any parting wisdom zach i don't know if you have these where you're at uh we both live in somewhat rural areas, maybe. Maybe you're a little bit more suburban these days. But um, have you ever seen a Blaine's Farming Fleet? I have heard of it. I don't know if we have one here. I went there the other day. Uh, and oh, we I, do have one, actually. I went there, and I went to their candy section. And I got to say, I got these chocolate, these sea salt caramel chocolates that are the best kind, like the best iteration of that type of thing that I've ever had. Uh, and I don't know if all of their candies like that, but uh, if you're interested in, if you got a sweet tooth, 
and you live next to a Blaine's Farm and Fleet, check out their candy section because I have found it to be top quality. Better than Menards. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Farm and Fleet, maybe what I'm thinking is Fleet Farm. Oh, that could be. I don't know. This is like a tractor yeah, supply a, place. Yeah, yeah. They're basically all like hardware stores that just happen to have like groceries and stuff. It's like really weird. Yeah, I uh, uh, I got to say, great stuff. Check it out. All right, and go ahead and follow us at Starside Cafe on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.